Hey everyone, this is David with the Kaiju Apostle Podcast. This is going to be a little bit of a different episode, not uh, something I ever saw myself recording, or ever foresaw myself recording, excuse me. Um, this is also going to be a very unedited episode as well. Um, it is just me tonight. Uh, I did talk to Chris before recording this, and uh, he did give me his blessing. Um, I will go ahead and clarify this episode will have nothing to do with Godzilla or any related material. So if that's what you typically listen to, no, we haven't done an episode in several weeks now. I do apologize for getting your hopes up. Um, we will get back to that. Uh, I will give a quick update. So if you want to keep listening, at least for that. So as you may or may not be aware, we have taken a break for the time being um, with work and just preparing for having or my wife and I for having our second child. Uh, I felt like it would be good for the podcast to take a break during Lent. Um, that way I could focus on sales at work to prepare us for this time because um, I was going to be taking about a week off of work and then, you know, just kind of using a couple more weeks to adjust to having a second kiddo in the home, and everything else. So we're still on track with that. Um, but again, as you may or may not know, we did have our second kid, and it did not go the way that we saw. Um, so I will say right now, before I do get into some updates here, because that's the purpose of this episode, to kind of share the story so far, because it's definitely not over. Um we are still planning on coming back, but depending on our hospital stay, it may not be after Lent or Easter would be when we were planning on recording our, or releasing our next episode after that. So bear with us. We're trying to get all that figured out. Um, if you do keep listening to the rest of the episode, you'll see why. Um, if not, this is where you kind of dip out. I appreciate you even checking in. Uh, we will have some new episodes coming up soon. I believe our next episode would be Frankenstein Conquers the World, and we do have uh, Michael Hamilton joining us on that one. Um, okay, so Roar for Harlow. Wanted to give everyone a huge, huge, huge thank you for all the support and prayers over the past two weeks. Um I mean, don't get me wrong, I've, I've appreciated being a part of this community. And for anyone who's listening to this episode that doesn't normally listen to the podcast, I am talking about the Godzilla uh, film community. Um, also, the genre of those films was what you'd consider tokusatsu. If that means nothing to you, but you know me, just message me. I'll walk you through it. Um, but the amount of support, because I've been off of Twitter and Instagram, but Chris has shared some of the stuff, and it's just been overwhelming. I mean, I saw the hashtag going around. I mean, there there was a donation on our GoFundMe page that was uh, donated from Roar for Harlow, so that was very humbling, whoever you are. Um, so I want to thank everyone who has prayed with us, who has supported us in this time, um, especially Chris. So he's my co-host, yes, but Apart from my wife, this guy's my best friend, and I couldn't have asked for a better support system through him during this time. Um, he's always there when I need him to be, and I uh, 
I just thank you, Chris. Um, when you're listening to this, he hasn't listened to this yet. So I just, I really appreciate, really appreciate everything you've done for me, bud. Um, also wanted to give a shout out to G man or Jack. Um, I know you got that hashtag going and bringing awareness to that was incredible. Um, I mean, you've been a great friend to me and I really appreciate all of that. And then, uh, Michael with the Kaiju Groupie and then Nathan, uh, Monster Island Film Vault, you both have brought, uh, at least what I've seen, you brought attention to that as well. Um, and I've just seen that through Facebook. So on Twitter and Instagram, I'm sure there's been more. And I really do appreciate all of that. And I do look forward to um, reading the messages when I get back, whenever that is. So what has happened is what was intended to be a pretty low-key birth at home, which I am going to be getting into some medical stuff here, so um, not graphic, just medical stuff. So um, if, if I sound like an idiot, I apologize. I'm a theology major, not a, uh, not a science major. Um, anyway, so what was supposed to be a home birth ended up being a two-plus-week stay at uh, the local NICU, um, which I would say is the best hospital in the area. Um, learning how people will move out this way to get hospital coverage here is just, I, I can believe it. Let's put it that way. So for those who are unfamiliar with what a home birth is, um, it's not just you're laying in bed and you have a baby, um, even though I'm pretty sure you can do that. But uh, we did have a midwife, someone who was trained and is very skilled. Uh, she's delivered a crap ton of babies and chose her specifically, uh, not because I foresaw this happening, but when we did the interview, I was like, okay, so what's going to happen when crap hits the fan? Um, and she's like, well, we're going to go to the hospital. So to me, that's the kind of midwife I want, right? I don't want someone that's just going to sit here and, nope, I got to have 100% delivery at home and just uh, I needed someone who knew when they're out of the element, when it was past their expertise, so to speak. So we were at home. It was the night of the 10th, and we were watching Parks and Rec. My wife starts having contractions. Um, everything's looking good, so we're texting the midwife, and she's delivering a baby elsewhere. Um, but the support line, they've got a bunch of people on call. They're like, hey, just try to lay down, relax. If it keeps going, we'll send someone over to get prepped, right? So contractions kept staying steady. Um, and then at that point, we got the midwife's assistant over and got the tub ready um, downstairs. So it was, a, it was a water birth and ran out of hot water halfway through the tub. So I've got four pots and pans on the stove. I've got an electric kettle. We're boiling everything right Um Honestly, compared to my, my son Jasper's birth, this was a daydream. I mean, it was just phenomenal. Whereas my wife was in labor for like 48 hours with my son. Uh, she was in labor for about five hours here, and it was great. And then uh, so we had our baby. It was a girl. I was overjoyed because we did not, we weren't planning on finding out what it was till the time of birth. That's just the way that we wanted to do it. That's what we did with our son. And I had a feeling it was a girl. It was just something about everything. It wasn't just me wanting a girl. I would have been happy with whatever we had, but I felt like it was going to be a girl. So Harlow comes out, 
you know, we're absolutely overjoyed, but uh, we realized something's wrong. Um, she's kind of limp. Now, obviously, my wife is just elated, you know, trying to have that skin-to-skin contact, and um, our midwife realizes something's going on. So immediately, she starts uh, helping Harlow breathe in various ways. Gets to the point where uh, she's like, okay, I need you to call 911. And I'm like, well, what the H do I need to, like, what do I say, right? I, I, I'm, I'm more in shock than my wife is at this point. Um, not freaking out, just like, okay, something's wrong. My baby's not breathing very well, limp. Um, so call 911. Paramedics come out. And, you know, I think in the back of our back of our minds, we were hoping that we could just, you know, get her breathing and we'd be good, right? Just, ooh, that was a scare. It's going to be a long night. Unfortunately, that was not the case. It was uh, paramedics, you know, EMTs come out and, nope, we're going to need to take her to the hospital. So I jump into the passenger seat of the ambulance while there's three EMT, paramedics, whatever. Um, I, I know there's a difference, but I don't know what each person was. They're in the back trying to save my daughter. And my wife is at home with midwife. They're getting her ready. Um, our son was awake for this, too. We, had, it was, we delivered at uh, 4.11 in the morning, and we had woken him up right before labor. Uh, well, before birth, excuse me. So he wanted to be a part of it, and we wanted him to be a part of that as well. And uh, so we're going to the hospital, and I'm sitting there, and there's like a camera where I can see in the the back, right? I just I couldn't get myself to look very long because I'm like, I've got to wake up from this. I've got to wake up from this. Like probably the first time in my life where I'm like legitimately like, Lord, please let this be a dream because I can't stomach the thought of losing my child and my first gut was my first gut instinct was to call uh, my friend Ben he was the pastor of the church that we attend Um, and even though he has left he is still a very dear friend of mine and even though it was 4 30 in the morning there was no one else I thought of calling first just the way he has uh played such an important part of my life and my prayer life and how I I view all these, just my faith. Um, so he prayed over me. That was encouraging, even though at the time I just couldn't really understand what was going on. Um, eventually he did come to the hospital, and that's kind of jumping ahead of things. So anyway, we get to the, the hospital, and they rush her into the ER. There's a couple of doctors there kind of walking through. The chaplain comes up, and thankfully, as someone who's trying to get into chaplaincy, I wasn't like, oh, no, is my baby die? Like going to die? Even though that was a very real possibility at this point and for several days after. Um, but I just knew he was there for support, and then the, the social worker comes up, and I was like, oh, I'm so glad that I know that she's here for support, not because she thought this was my fault, right? So everyone gets around. And they're diagnosing my child, and I just feel like I'm outside of my body watching some horror movie because they're talking scientifically about my child that is dying. And I know they're trying to save her, just didn't feel like it, right? You just you have no idea what's going on except for the fact that my baby is dying. And one of the doctors who, in case this does get around, I'm not going to share a name. Um, I'm not even going to share what hospital this is. But uh, we found out that the problem was there's a uh, something called meconium aspiration syndrome. 
which is when either in utero or when the baby is inside the mother, um, or it can be while the baby's being delivered, um, the baby inhales or consumes some stool and goes into the lungs and pretty much poisons the lungs. That affects, it just sets a whole, it's a chain of events no one should ever go through. Um, it's something that happens, home births, hospital births, everywhere. Um, sometimes it can be very minor and you don't even notice, or it can be severe, like what we saw here. So I think it's just kind of a combination of that's what happened initially. Um, our theory was that it was in utero. Carla took her first breath, and that's when we realized what was going on. So obviously between point A and point B, she didn't have sufficient breathing, so could have potentially caused damage, yada, yada, yada. It, we've heard the same thing over and over. Um, the problem here is with this doctor, it was very clear that she had a bias against home births, and she, even though she told us that, yes, it could happen in hospitals and homes. She made it very clear she thought this was, uh, well, I say very clear. Um, she did not come out and say it, but it was clear. She felt this was our fault, right? So, of course, I'm sitting here and I'm like, my baby hasn't even been in the world for an hour and I'm already getting shade thrown at me. Ugh, I just, I, I ended up texting Ben, my pastor, and I'm like, I've been, you know, committed to pacifism for 10 years and I'm about to, like, drop that right now to knock this lady's teeth out. Granted, I didn't. Um, thankfully, I didn't have to deal with her after the first day. And there was another doctor there who was um, much more professional in the way that she handles stuff, which now it's been two weeks removed. I realize this is not uncommon. Um, the way she just doesn't always communicate very well. Um, but she's a incredible doctor. Um, in a way, I guess you could say she's kind of like house. Um, but yeah, so we... They go through this process of getting on a, a cooling pad um, to try to, I mean, this is where all this stuff, I'm kind of two weeks out now, I'm lost on it, um, reduce body function to help prevent any brain damage. Um, she wasn't producing enough oxygen, which, you know, it just affected a lot of stuff, her acidity and her, her body was too high and is, yeah, there's probably a hundred different things that was wrong with my daughter. Um, so they, they put all these things on her head to monitor her brain activity. You know, they just got her hooked up on everything, and they get her upstairs to the NICU. And at this point, my wife and, you know, the midwife and midwife assistant get there, and my son, too. Um, we have a meeting with the doctors, and they pretty much tell us, like, we are very concerned about your daughter. Um, she is not very likely to recover well from this at all. Um, they made it very clear from the get-go they are very concerned about brain damage, um, all this different stuff. And they, they bring up a possible medical procedure that could help. It's a last-case scenario. They only use it if the, um, the pros outweigh the cons pretty much. Um, but it's called ECMO. Uh, they gets plugged into, it's this huge machine that gets, well, I say huge, it's a fur baby, it's a huge machine. It gets plugged into the neck, it takes the blood out, removes the carbon dioxide, and recirculates the blood back in. Um, with my daughter having uh, pulmonary hypertension at this point, that was a very high-risk thing for her because she could get it into the brain, all this stuff. So ECMO is like, it's an awesome tool. It has saved countless babies' lives. 
it's just also something that could potentially not help as well. But at that point, you know, you're you're already at this is last ditch effort, right? So you kind of don't have anything else to do. Um, they just wanted to bring it up because if it got to the point where they had to decide, we would have 30 minutes, right? So better to do it now than 30 minutes before where we had to make a decision then. Um, so I appreciated that. But we're just in a really tough spot because we're like, what's going on? This isn't the way we planned it, right? So I call my mom. She meets me at my house. I bring my son home. I shower, get changed, come back to the hospital. And we have several people come over, pray with us, and just offer that support that we really needed at that point. Um, unfortunately, at the time of this recording, our past, uh, our church doesn't have a pastor. Um, so the, the pastoral care has been really, we've, we've been getting it for other people, right? So Ben, the person I brought up before, he was there, brought some coffee, prayed for me. Well, prayed for us, but, you know, prayed with me. And the one thing that he prayed, and that has been our continual prayer throughout all of this, you know, he just prayed that the doctors and nurses would have the wisdom to know what to do, that they would notice the things with my daughter that need to be fixed, that they would make even the most minor adjustments to save our baby's life. And without getting too ahead of it, that's exactly what's happened the past two weeks is the adjustments have been so minor. Not that that's not normal, but like the way that they deliberate, the way that they've paid attention to my, my daughter, and even the way that they've let her call the shots um, and I'll get into that a little bit. It's just been nothing but a miracle. Um, and I say that as someone that, yes, I believe in God, but I also fully appreciate and am indebted to science as well. I don't think the two have to be separate. Um, and it's unfortunate when we see that within Christianity. Um, so anyway, we have a huge support system going on prayer-wise. We have people all over the world all of a sudden praying for us. Like, it's just, I have never seen something so quickly assembled. Um, one of my wife's best friends ended up, she's had a, had, she has gathered people to pray for us every hour. Uh, several times a day, we get prayers sent to us, sometimes read out. Um, it's just huge support, food coming in. They started to go fund me because obviously, like, I can't even share with you how much we have already owed the hospital. Um, it's more than I'll make in my lifetime, most likely. I mean, it's worth it, right? But I'm just like, there's just a lot going on right now. So for the first couple of days, it's really tough. At one point on the first day I go in, um, we had a nurse named Phyllis, and we've had her several times since then, and she's the most wonderful, wonderful woman I've met apart from my wife. And um, just so wise and kind, and she, I'm so thankful that we had her the first day. Um, and I should say, apart from my mom as well, if you are listening, which I know sometimes you do. Um, <laughs> but the first day I go in and I see my baby all wired up, and she's in the middle of explaining what's going on. I just, I break into tears and I have to leave. And, you know, midwife just holds me while I'm just sobbing, right? It's just, not uh, not how I saw anything going. Um, 
So the next few days is just kind of just damage control. Um, not a lot of progress was really made. I mean, they put her on a ventilator. That's a real big thing, right? Is she her lungs were very very weak, um, so she was on a very high frequency ventilator for a while. Um, my wife stayed at the hospital the first night. They they have a room on the second floor that uh, parents can use. Um, ended up staying there for the next several nights. Um, but at one point, I think it was the second night, and all of this is kind of a blur. Um, I have a friend share a song called Raise a Hallelujah by Bethel Music, and then eventually a song called The Father's House by Corey Asbury um, was shared with me as well. And both of those songs just really refocused me where I'm like, Okay, God, like this is the moment where rubber hits the road, right? If I say that I believe in you, I can't do a half assed prayer. I have to fully commit to trusting you with my child. So, for those first several nights and every night since then, I mean, like I, I go up and I'm praying over my daughter, I, I pull out psalms that I feel like I should be reading almost continually these numbers come to my mind and almost like nine times out of ten legitimately it's a song about deliverance victory or healing um so for for days and days we're just contending for my daughter to be healed you know we don't care how long it's going to take just that the Lord's doing something here and all of a sudden things just kind of started turning around Whereas, you know, one day doctor came in and was very um, pessimistic, like we need to prepare for ECMO, um, your daughter is going to die. The next day coming in and being like, well, um, she had a really good night. We're seeing progress we weren't expecting. And for the past two weeks, that's really what it's been is we've, we've had rough days. Um, she's a very sick baby. Um, but we've had days and days and days where we come in after um, not seeing our, you know, not seeing Harlow overnight, and doctors like, no, she had a great night. She's breathing well. We've weaned her down on our oxygen because, you know, so 100% oxygen is obviously not good. That's not what you should be on. <coughs> I don't have coronavirus. Um, I've been doing a lot of singing, and I'm drinking a beer right now. Um, so we, we breathe 21% oxygen. So that's kind of the goal is, you know, getting down to that 21%. But like, this is where, you know, we really had to push in and pray, you know, that the doctors would have wisdom. And they realized that like, you know, Harlow was telling them the whole time how she wanted to be treated. Um, cause really, you know, rewind really quick. The first weekend, um, Harlow had a seizure. And it's what's called a subclinical seizure. So it's not a visible seizure. They only picked it up through uh, her, what's called EEGs that were put on her head uh, to monitor brain activity. So she only had one. Um, she did have medication after that. Um, but they were a little concerned about that. They were concerned about her brain activity anyway. But um, that wasn't very encouraging. Um, but then at one point, you know, it was just the oscillator, the ventilator she was on, excuse me, was not a, it was keeping her steady, but it just, we weren't making progress on it. And one of the nurses was like, hey, you know, we should try something different. Doctor is like, yeah, we'll just try it out, whatever. And then that same night, 
Well, then next night she's like, no, this really isn't working. She told the day, excuse me, the day nurse how she felt. And that day nurse brought it up again. And at that point, the doctor relented. And she's like, okay, well, because what was happening is she was on this ventilator, but she would breathe over it. And that wasn't helping. Um, So they switched over to a setting called NAVA, which has to do with, uh, it's a ventilator that goes down the baby's throat into the diaphragm, and it's run neurologically. Um, So the concern here was that, well, if she has brain damage, this isn't going to work very well. Come to find out, it worked like magic. And all of a sudden, we started seeing a bunch of good progress because she was controlling the way that she wanted to breathe. So now, over the course of about a week, we start weaning down her her oxygen levels, um, what's called her PEEP settings. Uh, It helps keep her lungs open and the novice settings as well. And it's just, it's been day after day after day after day of the nurses and the doctors being impressed. And I mean, these are people who see babies die, but they also see babies go home. So this isn't new, right? This isn't the first time they've seen a baby get better. Um, They've also seen babies die. So the fact that very seasoned doctors are continually being impressed and surprised at the way she's fighting. Um, Like I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, well, this is what we've been praying for, that the doctors would pay attention to my daughter, that they would allow their they would allow others to share ideas and that they would be humble enough to receive them and not be so focused on, well, I'm the doctor, I'm right. Or, you know, I've got this many years experience. I'm right. Like there's been a continual just deliberation and they listen to each other and they work things out. And I've, it's been amazing to see every morning when I'm there. Um, But in the midst of this, so of course we have people praying for us and, you know, it's it's been encouraging to see the way that, you know, Harlow's fight has encouraged others to um, really just hold fast to the Lord in these times because obviously we're dealing with a global pandemic and I'm not here to get into the politics of that. Um, you know, no Pizzagate or Q Anon theories going on here. But um, in the midst of this, you know, first week, all the, uh, it becomes a little bit more serious. Hospital shuts down the visitors, so my parents were able to see her. My wife's parents were not. Um, my wife's mother, who was visiting, got laid off. So she is currently still with us, helping out while um, my father-in-law is back home. And then I get laid off. And, of course, this is just like, what? (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I kind of saw it coming um, when everyone else was shutting down and my job is not considered essential. Um, Now, we did find, like, a workaround, but we had to do, like, a a skeleton crew. Um, But, you know, there's just kind of a piece about that, though, because I'm like, you know what, Lord, I know you're going to take care of us. We're going to get through this. This is, gives me the chance to be where I need to be with my family, supporting them. Um, but it's just uh, not, again, not what I saw coming. Um, yeah, so I'm laid off and 
just everything. And then all of a sudden now we're at the point where my daughter is off of oxygen entirely or off oxygen support. Um, she still does breathe oxygen. Her lungs do still work. Um, she has gone down substantially on what's been hooked up on her. So now she just has a little line um, that goes through her scalp, into her scalp, excuse me. That's probably going to be removed by the time of recall releasing this recording. Um, that just has like a little bit of morphine coming in for painkillers. <coughs> and then uh, she's got like a feeding tube that goes down her nose into her throat, um, supplementing some breast milk. Uh, we did start breastfeeding, I guess. Okay, so today is Thursday the 26th. Uh, we did start breastfeeding today, and that actually went really well. So there's just all these things that are really going well, um, but there's still a lot that we have left to do as well. Um, she has to be able to eat entirely orally, right? So whether that's breastfeeding with a bottle, you know, we have to make sure she's maintaining and gaining the right amount of weight. Um, we have to get her fully weaned off of the morphine, which has been really hard. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, that's really about it. We've kind of nailed the other stuff. You know, hopefully um, she continues to breathe well without the, uh, the oxygen supplementation. Um, so just all this stuff. And it's going to be a very long road. We still don't, we still haven't gotten an MRI. Um, there's this window that you, you have to get it before or after. Um, and unfortunately with all the stuff she had on her, we couldn't get the MRI when we needed to. So now we're going to get it at a month. So MRI won't fix anything, but we really don't know what's going on upstairs, but I'm confident that the Lord has protected her, um, the way that she's needed. So yeah, it's really at this point, um, just trying to get the feeding down, the breathing just, you know, perfected. Um, and then we can get home and continue to self-distance and all that fun stuff because God knows how long this is going to last. Um, doesn't mean he does. But so, yeah, I really don't know what's going to happen from here, which is why the whole recording of the podcast thing is really tough to nail down because let's say we make it home you know, right before Easter. Well, now I've got to deal with, not deal, I've got to figure out how to manage having, having a, uh, a three and a half week old baby in the home when it would have been just a couple days old. I would have had some time to adjust. You know, it's just, there's all these different things where like, I'm excited to do it and we'll have plenty of time, obviously with the, uh, just being quarantined, but I just, I, I can't really make any promises and how, our schedule is going to look and not that anyone's really pressuring us for that. I just feel like we should be honest about that. Um, it is still our full intentions to return, um, especially with all the support and love that we've gotten. Um, it'd be the least that we can do. Um, I will let you guys know, especially with this happening, I am not going to G fest this year. Um, conventions kind of seem like they're probably going to be tough to do this year anyway, all things considered. Um, but I just, I can't, I can't wrap my head around leaving um, with everything that's gone on. Um, and then financially as well. I mean, yeah, hopefully we get this stimulus package coming through and all that. And I'm on unemployment now. Um, but I just, 
I can't make that kind of commitment. So at this point, like I said, we're just trying to figure out what that looks like, and we're just going day by day. Um, for sure, the earliest we'd be back would be about a week after Easter. Um, but ultimately, whether you're a listener to the podcast or you're one of our friends listening because you don't care about Godzilla, but you care about my family, um, at this point, you know, we're just we're asking for prayer. Um, we know everyone's in a very tough time right now, going through a tough time. Even people who are still working. I mean, there's just so much going on that it's everyone has a struggle in a battle that they're fighting. And we're not asking to monopolize your prayer or good vibes time um, or whatever, you know, you feel like you can do um, according to your beliefs. But really, we just, we need that prayer that we can bring our baby home soon. Um, Everything so far has been a testament of how good God is, the way he's worked through these nurses and doctors and I've loved seeing that. I mean, like I've said earlier, I don't think there should be this division. I think if God created the world, he created science too, right? And he works through that. He's He's done amazing things through this hospital, and I am just overwhelmed by what he has done through our daughter and the way I've seen even the nurses and the doctors like say things that, you know, I'd be like, ah, I don't feel like, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's it's hard to really say, but it's been it's been awesome to see that. Um, so prayer that, you know, she continues to progress well health-wise so that we can bring her home and never come back. Don't want to go there again. MRI, but that's it. Um, but apart from that, you know, we really could use prayer too for provision right now. Um, so like I said, you know, hopefully this economic stimulus for uh, the coronavirus comes through because we really need it at this point. Um but there's, I mean, it's going to be a long road with her. I'm confident that the Lord is healing her and will sustain her, and she's going to have an amazing story when she gets older. I mean, really, her story now is amazing, but she'll have an amazing story to tell. But there's going to be a lot of medical bills, and we're hoping to get a lot of this covered, but there's no guarantee at this point. I will say what's been really encouraging is that few months back I really struggled in my my sales job um like I, I I'd like to say I'm pretty good at what I do but it just felt like nothing was coming together stuff completely out of my control but it's just like deal falling through deal falling through deal falling through deal falling through and I remember one night just screaming and just like what the f is going on like I'm just I'm over this and I was so angry at God and then fast forward to now where I see that we've qualified for financial assistance. And if I would have had those good months, we wouldn't have qualified for it, right? Because what we thought was going to cover this won't. Um, so it was just one of those things where, like, I don't know. It's, it's just humbling to realize, like, in those moments, I could have trusted and I didn't. But he still took care of us. And we're, like I said, we're, we're hoping to get a good chunk of this covered. But I still have uh, a lot on our plate right now, especially not having my full paychecks for the foreseeable future. Uh, there's just a lot. So several of you have already given, and we really appreciate that. So this isn't a call to give. Um, if you can, that's wonderful. But again, we know everyone is going through stuff. But 
um, our GoFundMe page is going to be listed on the website. Um, it's going to be under the support tab, I think is what it is. Um, so the kaijuapostle.com. Uh, for those of you who don't aren't familiar, the K-I-J-U-A-P-O-S-T-L-E.com. Sorry, I'm so tired. Um, even if you could just share that or just continue to pray with us, because the Lord has provided so far, and we know he's going to continue to do so. Um, it's At this point, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, but I've shared it online um, or through the updates as well through Chris. But, you know, we want to be in prayer with you guys, too. We know it's really scary losing your job, not really knowing what's happening. Um, so if there's anything we could be doing to encourage you guys to pray with you guys, um, please let us know. Um, you can message on our Twitter and Instagram pages, accounts, excuse me, or you can email us at contact at the kaijuapostle.com. That does come to my email, and I would be happy to do that. You are not obligated to use your name, um, but you can obviously still send us an email. And if you'd like a reply, just make sure you add an email that works. So, yeah, thank you for listening, um, for my rambling. It was uh, hopefully better than I think it is, but I don't know. Just just felt like you guys deserved a little bit of an update. And I'm not going to lie, this was pretty cathartic um, to be able to process all of this and just get it out. So, again, we appreciate everything. Um, we did cancel our Patreon account. Um, for the, <laughs> we're just we're done with that. That's a little bit of an update there. Um, I don't know why I brought that up. But I am going to go play Animal Crossing because... It is a fun game. I will put my friend code in the show notes as well on our website if you'd like to add me on there. But otherwise, I uh, look forward to getting back in contact with y'all when we at least I'll get back on Lent uh, after Lent. I just don't know when our next episode will be, but I'll make sure to get back on and get in touch with you all. And uh, yeah, just thank you for everything. We love you guys and gals and take care.